0: wait is over. is over. Broadcasting around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, from the studios in the wrestling capital of the South, it's another terrific episode of The Binge Buster Show. Please welcome your host, Tony Binge.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Binge Buster show. I hope everyone had a great fun 4th. I hope their 4th was just as fun as mine. Uh missed you guys last week as uh, the Binge Buster show was on hiatus as because of the vacation. I thought it'd be good to give everybody a break. I take a break, give give my my man Chris a break and just take a little a little time to to recharge our batteries and and uh, and get back at it. And, and speaking to getting back at it, before I get this show started, man, I gotta do the most important thing. I gotta bring in my uh, my co-host. So let's bring him in right now. I'm talking about Mr. Chris Plano. Chris, right, what is Tony. going on?
0: Terrific, Tony. How are you? I'm so excited. My you know my battery's charged up. I'm off the Fourth of July weekend here. I know. You had a great time with the family down in Charleston, South Carolina. I, I saw some great pictures of you, and we're talking 80s pro wrestling tonight. I am just fired up for the show tonight.
1: Man, I'll I tell you, Chris, I, I had a tremendous time with my family. Uh, you know, as I talked about on other podcasts previously, uh, just a couple weeks ago, we, my family and I took a little short vacation down to, to Charleston, Isle of Palms, and just... Uh, you know had a little relaxing time and so with the fourth coming up and North Carolina being shut down and nobody really getting to do a whole lot I thought why not go back to my favorite place go back down to Charleston South Carolina and so I loaded up the family and we headed off and uh, man we had a great time I was down there for about a week Uh, I am burnt to a crisp Uh, you know uh, they always tell you you should listen to what the woman says she's most of the time right but uh, you know, I, I'm I, as a lot of people that, that don't know me or don't know what I look like. uh you know, I'm I'm I I got the tan skin, so a lot of times I don't I don't burn. Um, but you know, six days down in um Charleston, South Carolina, laying on the beach will do you in, my friend. <laughs> I'm like a lobster, and I'm man, I'm peeling like like a like a bad onion, and uh, man, I I just believe I'm over with, and I can get back to to feeling good again, but. Man, Chris, what what about you? What what uh, what what kind of trouble did you get into during the fourth?
0: Well, <laughs> I didn't get into any trouble per se. It was a great weekend. Uh, you know, we had the, you know the three day holiday weekend off from work, and that was nice to to have that. We caught great weather here in, in Charlotte. Went to a, a good friend and, and his wife's uh, cook out of his house all day on Saturday. They were very generous and hospitable for day and night. We saw some neighborhood fireworks going off and uh um, and you know just relaxed on on friday and sunday you know kind of the bookends and it was just nice for me just to take a breather and you know but it was a little bit of different feel of a fourth of july we got a lot going on in in, in the united states and the world um but hey i'm glad to see people are getting out um you know but we still also have a lot going on and i was totally envious i know you were texting me a few pictures i was like boy he's right there on the beach his, his feet are in the water and his his sunglasses are aiming to the sky and I know you all were having a good time.
1: Man, it was great, Chris. I had some some great seafood and uh, man, uh-huh. I just uh, it was just a great time and uh, man, I, I loved it. I love going down there and um, you know I love vac you know taking vacations. Uh, before the coronavirus hit man i was planning another trip out out west i was going to go back out to la maybe hit vegas this time i don't know um but uh but but thanks to corona i decided to 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 stay home and, and instead of taking my money and um on vacation I took my money and bought new podcast equipment so uh so ho- hopefully hopefully you, you fans will enjoy the new sound we got the the uh the the uh, the wonderful um intro uh that that, that I have so I anyway, I was trying to make to make the show sound good but uh this week's podcast is going to be awesome because I I thought you know trying to stay within the uh july festivities of pro wrestling we talk about the uh this week's show we're going to talk about the very first great american bash that took place uh back in 1985 it actually took place on july the 6th uh 1985 and uh we're going to be breaking down down that but uh we're also going to have a flashback uh and that's coming up right after this timeout. Want to get your event or business advertised around the world? Then let The Binge Buster Show advertise for you. We offer a weekly show that is broadcast over all major podcast platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, YouTube, and much more. We offer five levels of advertising to fit any budget. So don't hesitate. Let The Binge Buster Show work for you. For information, contact us on our Facebook page at The Binge Buster Show. We look forward to helping you and your business grow. All right, fans, we're back now on the Bench Buster Show, coming to you right here in the studios of the Queen City. I'm talking about beautiful Charlotte, North Carolina, Mooresville, North Carolina. We're coming from both locations. As Chris is in Charlotte, I'm in Mooresville, and we're, we're ready to rock and roll the Bench Buster Show. Chris, uh, as, as I was talking about earlier on at the beginning of the show, uh, the Great American Bash right there in your hometown of Charlotte, North Carolina, was a big event uh, but that was actually the the uh, the the start, uh, as as you want to say, of, of 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 a tremendous summer summer tours of bashes and concerts and stuff like that. But uh, before we get into that podcast, fans, we're going to bring you now to our uh, annual flashback, and we're going to talk about a a a big event in history in wrestling history that blew everybody away. Coming up right now.
0: This week's classic flashback.
1: All right, fans. This week's flashback takes us back to a time when pro wrestling was getting ready to explode in the mid-90s. This was on uh, July the 7th, uh, 1996, uh, the day that uh, everyone's mind was blown. And here it is right now.
0: Are you thinking?
2: Me, Gene, the first thing you need to do is to tell these people to shut up if you want to hear what I got to say. I have been with you
0: for so many years. For you to join up with the likes of these two men absolutely makes me sick to my stomach. And I think that these people here and a lot of other people around the world have had just about enough of this man, this man, and you wanna put yourself in this group? You've gotta be kidding me.
2: Well, the first thing you gotta realize, brother, is this right here is the future of wrestling. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother. These two men right here came from a great big organization up north, and everybody was wondering who the third man was. Well, who knows more about that organization than me, brother?
0: I've been there, I've done that. You have made the wrong decision, in my opinion.
2: Well, let me tell you something. I made that organization a monster. I made people rich up there. I made the people that ran that organization rich up there, brother. And when it all came to pass, the name Hulk Hogan, the man Hulk Hogan, got bigger than the whole organization, brother. And then, billionaire Ted, amigo. He wanted to talk turkey with Hulk Hogan. Well, billionaire Ted promised me movies, brother. Billionaire Ted promised me millions of dollars. And Billionaire Ted promised me world-caliber matches. And as far as Billionaire Ted goes, Eric Bischoff, and the whole WCW goes, I'm bored, brother. That's why these two guys here, the so-called outsiders, these are the men I want as my friends. They're the new blood of professional wrestling brother. And not only are we gonna take over the whole wrestling business with Hulk Hogan and the new blood, the monsters with me, we will destroy everything in our path, Mean Gene. Look at all of this crap in this ring. This is what's in the future for you if you want to hang around the
0: likes of this man Hall and this man Nat.
2: As far as I'm concerned, All this crap in the ring represents these fans out here. For two years, brother, for two years, I held my head high. I did everything for the charities. I did everything for the kids. And the reception I got when I came out here, you fans can stick it, brother.
1: All right, fans, what do you think, Chris? Was that not some strong words from Hollywood Hulk Hogan?
0: Boy, you know, the ultimate interview with the biggest name in professional wrestling to turn from the most cheered wrestler by any wrestling fan in the world today, I think jaws were dropped. Hats off to mean Gene Okerlund in that interview as well. Him and Hulk Hogan, (laughs) you know, I mean, he just had the right words at the right time. Hogan with the turn. Tony, I mean, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it was probably the biggest and most historic event for the history of World Championship Wrestling, if not for all of professional wrestling. And on this night, the annual Bash at the Beach Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, would form the core, would form that nucleus, that synergy, a sports probably most formidable team known as the New World Order or the NWO was born that evening and was Hollywood Hulk Hogan.
1: Yeah, you know, Chris, going back and watching that, man, it's almost like as a kid learning that the Easter Bunny didn't exist or Santa Claus didn't exist or, you know, things like that because, Having your hero Hulk Hogan, the biggest baby face in pro wrestling at the time, turn his back, and not only that, but to tell the fans that you know all all the times that he told them to say their prayers, eat their vitamins, he didn't do it for himself. He didn't really do it to be good. He did it for the money, and that that made him a bigger heel uh, than I think anybody during that time in 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 pro wrestling. It it was the
0: perfect opportunity for world championship wrestling I mean Hogan coming down the aisle everyone thought okay he's gonna come save the day Sting's getting beat down Randy Savage getting beat down the Macho Man yeah you know it's just a mess in the ring here comes Hogan and the complete opposite happened and this was a direct aim at also the World Wrestling Federation and Vince McMahon though Hogan was very cautious in his words that he used. He never used Vince's name or anyone's name in the WWF, but everyone knew what he was referring to, and he didn't need to say any more, and the battle lines were drawn even more at that point, and this was Hogan's opportunity as well in his career to say, hey, I can be a bad guy in the ring and still be successful and still draw money at the same time.
1: Yeah, and and that right there really started – the uh, the Monday Night Wars. Uh, I think when when Hogan turned uh, when Hogan turned heel, that was when the, the war really got underway. And at that at that point in time, I believe whenever uh, the the powers to be were watched that happen, I think at that time Vince knew. Oh my gosh, I've got something on my hands now. Uh, this is major. Hulk Hogan has just turned into the biggest heel. And in the wrestling business, uh, the guy that he created is now has now kind of recreated himself, but on a ba- uh, you know on the bad side. And let let's face it, Hogan made a lot of money, but he made a really a lot of money when he became Hollywood Hogan, and the NWO took off, and um and you know. Talking about the NWO, I, I think the NWO would probably still be around today if they have if they didn't try to put so many people in the NWO. If they would left it like Hall, Nash, Hogan, maybe a two two more big big names from the WWF, put them in there and left it like yeah. that, yeah. I, I I think NWO would 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 still be around. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I think they uh, tried to you know putting so many people in, it just made it seem like they they wasn't as legit. Uh, because now everybody's joining, uh, versus if, if they left it like the major players that came down from WWF, uh, then at that point it really would have made more sense.
0: Yeah. I mean, it seemed like at one point everyone was a member of the NWO. Yeah. <laughs> it was within world championship wrestling in, in some way, shape or form. But y- you know, you know, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash were the outsiders. They didn't need any introduction when they arrived uh, on the set of WCW, um, and, and everyone knew what was going on. They knew they were from the WWF. They didn't have to say anything, and then this Hogan added to it. Savage still had his run at the WWF, though so he was in WCW at that time. You know, I think it's Sting was just trying to save the company, um, you know, and that was that storyline that evolved. And listen, between the merchandise sales and everything else they had with the NWO on it, it was the perfect time to bring the black and white back. It was the cool thing to do. And it was cool to have a piece of that memorabilia. If you like, you didn't have it, it was like you weren't really even a fan.
1: No. And, and And one of the cool things about being a wrestling fan around 96 and 97, it was like being a rock and roll fan in the 80s. You wouldn't you wouldn't cool if you didn't wear like one of the coolest newest uh pro wrestling t shirts. T shirt sales were tremendous during that time with the Austin three sixteen, the NWO. I mean, both of them shirts were high high sellers.
0: Well, absolutely, and it was huge revenue, huge royalties for for everyone involved. And uh, and hey, the NWO pushed the WWF to even do more creative on their end and, and for Vince McMahon to be creative and start bringing new talent in because you've got something happening in world championship wrestling. That's a force right now. So it really bought what I think within professional wrestling, the best out of both organizations, Um, whether it was organically or it was kind of implanted talent already. And, it really did, and it gave the fans a choice of what you want to watch. And all that success, and I'm a firm believer between, I would say, 1995 and maybe early 2000s, maybe right before the 9-11 terrorist attacks happened, it brought a lot of great uh, spill down to the independent wrestling scene because everyone wanted to go to wrestling shows. And I think everyone reached, in the end, during that kind of six-year run
1: oh yeah definitely I, I know i i mean i was booked everywhere that uh, during that time and uh you know i was working for two or three different companies uh your company was running strong and then i i started running in 98 and uh man it was just it was just a great time to be a wrestler a great time to be a wrestling fan and uh man if, if i could go back to those days and know what i know now man chris you you and i would have would have burnt some towns down that's for sure
0: wow. I mean, Tony, and, and, you know, the crazy thing about this, I mean, we're going pre-social media here on this. We're going at a time where they were just pumping cable television, pumping pay-per-views. Both groups are pumping pay-per-views once a month, Monday Night Wars, whatever else they had going. And, you know, and like I said, it it just trickled down to the independents and everyone was just making money at that time because it worked and it, everyone was just – it was a great time to be a wrestling fan, and they maximized it. And actually, if the 9-11 terrorist attacks didn't happen in September 01, I think it would have really even kept going even further. I think wrestling might have hit a halt a little bit then. People were getting sketchy with entertainment and stuff. But it was really rolling, and it was on fire.
1: Yeah, it, it really was. And, and uh, you know, like, like I say, it was – it was a great time to be a wrestling fan. I mean, man, it was there was so much like like I don't know me even as a wrestler, I still couldn't wait to turn on the TV Monday night. I had my remote in my hand and you know, I'd be flipping back and forth channel to channel, channel to channel just trying to see exactly how WWF at WWE or WWF at the time uh, was going to outdo WCW and vice versa. And man, some really really good wrestling, really good storylines came out of all that. And uh, man, I'm so glad I got got to, I got to live and and be a wrestling fan during, during that time.
0: Absolutely. Great time. You had Vince McMahon up North and Ted Turner has some deep pockets in Atlanta and he was going to do what he had to do. It was his time to say, this is my shot. I've got all the guys here. I've got Hogan in my stable. I got sting. I got all the big guys and he made a run at it, man. And it was great. It was, it was a great time. And, and, uh, Everyone in the business was making money, and uh, it, it was just like a cash cow. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it'll ever be created again. I, I just don't know. I mean, yeah. you, you see stuff from time to time, but, man, that was a hell of a run. And I, I just haven't seen a concept since then from a group standpoint to, to, to be matched. And uh, give it up to Eric Bischoff and, 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 and all the ones that were running WCW at that time. But, hey, they found something, and they and they ran with it.
1: Yeah, and it, and it was good stuff, and man, what what a great time! And taking us now to uh, you know, to finish that out. I mean, you know, ninety seven was a great year to be a wrestling fan, and 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 this right here, Hogan, uh, Hogan turning his back on the fans and um and all the the people that have bought tickets and believed in Hulkamani all those years. Hogan that night, Hogan was the only person that ever killed. Hulkamania he killed it that Night but he but he reborn a Whole new character and uh, The Hollywood Hogan and uh, Man it was a great time and uh, uh I'm glad uh, that we got we got to Put that on our flashback this week and Right now fans we're gonna take a quick Break and when we come back we're coming back With the with the main Binge buster show as we're going to Be breaking down the great American Bash 1985 Coming up right after this Strap yourself in, because we're set up, switched on,
2: and ready to go.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Binge Buster Show. We're going to be talking about the Great American Bash 1985, the inaugural Great American Bash coming to you from the American Legion Memorial Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina. It took place on July the 6th, 1985. And, uh, man, what a great show. Um, it, they, the attendance was 27,000 people. Uh, you not only got great wrestling, but you got a great one-hour uh, country concert with David Allen Co. Uh, and the main event of the night, Dusty Rose, the American Dream, uh, in a cage against Tully Blanchard. And Tully Blanchard put up the television title and his valet baby doll. And Dusty walked out with all the marbles uh, and baby doll for 30 days. Chris. Talk to us man about the Great American Bash 1985.
0: Tony, it was uh, uh, God the mid 80s. when I think of summer 85 I was I mean I was 14 years old. Um, you know my only exposure, you know being in Connecticut to the NWA at that time in the mid 80s, the only thing I saw was 605 on Saturday night on WTBS. That was the only exposure other than going to the store and buying magazines once a month to what was happening in professional wrestling. And I know people say, like, what's this guy talking about? All I got to do is, you know, pull up Facebook or Instagram, and I can find anything I want, you know, at the snap of a finger. So these storylines were deep-rooted for me because, again, two hours a week on TV, and I wasn't in Charlotte, North Carolina, so, this was great stuff going on, and got 27,000 people for the NWA on a hot, sticky summer night. What a great backdrop. And Memorial Stadium still standing today, yeah. right on the fringe of downtown Charlotte. And, you know, so many great things have taken place at that stadium, not even professional wrestling, just over the decades. And it's still there now in 2020 and, and, and still going strong.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know, and and looking back at this great American bash, nineteen eighty five. Now, I've done other podcasts where I tell you, know, where, I, where I've told you people, uh, you listeners, my fans, uh, our fans. Um, my my favorite bash, it, it, like I said, we talked about about it before. Nineteen eighty six was my favorite, just because of of how how it was portrayed. The Rockland Express was in; they were really hot. They were over; they were selling out, and um, and of course. Uh, Rick Flair, you know he was he was on top at that time, and Great American Bash '86. They 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 um uh, the the uh, the story uh, on that bash was uh, Rick Flair was going to defend the world title every night at every single bash. Um, but but going back to 1985, Rockland Express is not there yet. Mina Express isn't there yet. So during this time, the uh, the uh, three uh, most popular baby faces in the Jim Crockett promotion era was our good friend, Jimmy Valiant Magnum TA and the American dream dusty Rhodes. that those three were the, were were the top three draws of baby faces there um, in the Crockett territory. Uh, And of course they were definitely um, highlighted on this show. Uh, But, uh, but, but before we get started on the matches, uh, let's talk about the backdrop of this show. Um, This right here, the great American bash. I mean, when you hear that, you think about, you, you think about, you know, the 4th of July, hanging out with your family, your barbecues. And here in the South, Chris, um, you know, during this time, the uh, three things that ruled the Carolinas was it Jim Crockett Promotion Wrestling, NASCAR, and country music. And right here on this show, Dusty Road, Jim Crockett Promotions, they gave us two of our favorite things. They gave us country music. And they gave us um, the uh, the a, a really great wrestling card, and not only it not only did it feature this card feature Jim Crockett promotion stars, but it also featured stars in the AWA. Talking about the Road Warriors, and we also Abdul. I'm, I'm sorry, not Abdul the Butcher, but um, uh, Kamala. Uh, and Skandar Akbar, they they were from world class championship wrestling. So so we, we had stars from all over on this on this show. Now, like I said earlier, this show was it took place on July the sixth, nineteen eighty five, in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, at the American Legion Memorial Stadium. Uh, the attendance back then twenty seven thousand people. Uh, the opening match on this great card was um, Cowboy Ron Bass, who had just broke off with um with JJ Dillon um and now he's the baby face, and he uh, w- uh he had a match with Nature Boy Buddy Landale uh talk to us about this match Chris
0: I mean what I mean uh, you know an opening match uh, it, you know 20 20 minute time limit draw I mean I think they just were just trying to get everyone in their seats here get everyone <laughs> settled yeah. in before what's going to be an action packed night you got I mean they know the the, the crowd that's coming in I'm sure they did a huge walk-up that evening as well. They knew they were in excess of 20,000. And it's coming off the David Allen Co. concert as well. So, you know, 20-minute match, everyone settled in. Hey, the Nature Boy, Buddy Landell, you know, I know he always, you know, try to compare himself to the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. And, and Ron Bash is, what, a big old Texan in the ring? And, and, you know, I mean, it was, you know, probably a lot of stopping and starting, especially with Buddy Landell and the hair and everything. But probably just a good settle in, we've got a long night ahead of us here match, and, you know, two veterans in the ring, and it was just probably just, you know, a state setter of to what was to come.
1: Yeah, it, and it was definitely a good match. And then moving on to the next match was uh, NWA National Tag Team Champions. Uh, they had just just a few months earlier um, had um, Ole Anderson had booted out Thunderbolt Patterson, replaced him with Arn Anderson, and now here they're 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 now known as the new Minnesota Wrecking Crew, and they're the current NWA National Tag Team Champions. Which uh, fans, if a lot of you don't don't know that, that was actually the Georgia uh, Tag Team Titles, but that that was actually re, you know, renamed NWA National Tag Team Titles. But um, like I said, the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, Olinar and Anderson, um, and they were up against two rough, tough individuals. Um, and that's a shoot behind the scenes. If if I was at a bar and and I was in trouble, I, I would I would call <laughs> uh-uh. these two guys be be two of the first ones I'd call, and I'm talking about none other than um, Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer and Dirty Dick Slater. Uh, what a team that was to go against Arne and, Arne and Ole. Yeah,
0: I mean, you know, you know, the second match a tag team match. I mean, everyone that followed. You know, wrestling in the South knew who Ole and Arn Anderson was, and, uh, you know, you knew you were going to get from them. But they got Buzz Sawyer, Dick Slater, they got a shot, you know, at the titles. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe this is the night, you know, who who, who knows, you know, with it with being so big of a crowd. And, you know, but yeah, you talk about some rough hombres in the ring, and, and, uh, hey, hey, and Ole and Arn are no slouches either, <laughs> you know, in the ring, right. Either, but, uh, as I read, it looks like the Andersons did a little bit of cheating behind the referee's back to to score the, uh, the 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 pinfall in this one. But you know, I'm you know I'm sure, you know, you know four great wrestlers in the ring, and 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 again, it, you know, part of something really really special happening that night in Charlotte, and you know, again coming off of. All the hype, you know, the the opening match and everything. You know, I'm sure was very well entertained.
1: Yeah, definite, definite, solid match there. Uh, Then moving on from there, we got a six man uh, special challenge match. The one of your old friends, uh, running partners, uh, the Raging Bull, Manny Fernandez, Sam Houston, (laughs) and Mad Dog Buzz uh, Tyler uh, against Superstar Billy Graham, the Barbarian, and Abdullah the. Butcher.
0: Boy, you know, Tony, I look at this match. Like, what a mix of uh, <laughs> just different wrestling styles and, and sizes in the ring. I mean, you know, here I am. The WWF superstar Billy Graham was huge in the WWF on his run. You know, some rare appearances down south. So what a treat for the fans to see Billy Graham in the ring. Um, You know, then you got Abdullah on his side with Barbarian and Manny and Sam Houston on the other side. It's just like, wow. But interesting, Sam Houston scored the pin on Billy Graham with a small package um, and a young Sam Houston at that time. So, you know, kudos to him. But uh, I remember superstar Billy Graham as a young kid, and he was just gigantic, man, just from his build and everything. And he was just huge when he was in the ring. And, uh, and, uh, and, hey. You know, Abby there as well. You never know what's going to happen. I'm sure him and him and Manny had some <laughs> tassels along the way. Oh, I'm sure I'm, yeah. uh, it wasn't far-fetched in that match either.
1: And I apologize. I, I said I am I pronounced the name wrong. I called him uh, Mad Dog Bus Tyler, but it's actually Avalanche Bus Tyler, uh, not not Mad right. Dog. Mad Dog was Bud Sawyer. But, um, but, but the interesting thing about this match was during this time, Superstar Billy Graham was... He, he he wasn't wearing a tie dye at this point. He was actually uh, do, doing doing the the the, uh, the kung fu gimmick, um, and and incidentally, this was kind of like uh, the barbarian was kind of just getting his start there with Crockett during this time. So he he really wasn't uh, up there too much yet, but uh, he was actually st- I think at this point him and Abdullah uh we're actually and 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 billy Graham, uh we're actually in the uh, stable of Mr. Number 1 Paul Jones which takes us to the next match uh our good friend handsome jimmy the boogie woogie man vay in a dog collar match uh and uh, and of course his opponent across the way Mr. Number 1 Paul Jones and uh and the and in the 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 back the back story on this match was this was um 1985. This feud between Paul Jones and Jimmy Valiant had already been had been going since like 83. Here it is, 85, and they're 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 still in in the in the top uh you know top the top of the, the, the card uh for their feuds. Um I don't think many people know this, Chris, but uh during the Crockett era, Jimmy Valley and Paul Jones had the longest running feud. Of, of of the whole organization
0: hey as as uh as in boogie woogie man style it's still making money baby is that how? You
1: yeah <laughs> that's it, uh, pretty yeah. much yeah. And, and, and they were yeah and, and,
0: and paul jones was that thorn in his side yeah and boogie will tell you paul jones was that thorn he could never get out of his side and he every time he thought it was out it was back in again and man The crowd was always into it they knew it was going to be a war and they want everyone always wanted boogie just to come in and you know clean house and interesting match with you know with buzz tyler in his corner and then you got Abdullah menacing outside with paul jones i know boogie uh he must have been cross-eyed in the match having uh, abby uh, in in the corner i mean almost you know i mean i'm but he had buzz in his corner but you know how Boogie's in the ring, so, I mean, I'm sure it was, uh, you know. But, hey, he came out on top. Though, Abdullah did attack, as I read here, Valiant at the end of the match after he scored the pinfall with Buzz Tyler saving him. So, again, still more to go. It wasn't really a clean finish, though so Boogie did get the win. But that thorn, he can never get out of his side.
1: Yeah, and uh, and a lot of you fans may not know this, but the the uh, the start of the feud – between Paul Jones and Jimmy Vayet start, like I said, guys, started back in nineteen eighty three. Um, Paul Jones had a team called the uh, the the uh, the Assassins. They came in, and at this time, guys, Jimmy Vayet had kind of a long beard, kind of like the ZZ Top look. He had the long beard, uh, but I am telling you, they're were, there were, between eighty three and eighty five. There wasn't anybody more over in a Crockett territory than, than Jimmy Boogie Woogie Man Valiant. I mean, he he connected with the people. Uh, he It didn't matter what color skin you were. It didn't matter what how much money you made or how much money you didn't have. Everybody loved Jimmy Valiant. And so it was easy for the fans to get behind Jimmy Valiant. So Jimmy's in the ring. He gets attacked by the by the assassins and Paul Jones. They tie him up in the ropes. They cut off his beard. And now we're off to the races, you know, so from there, they, they uh, took Boogie's beard. Then, then in 84, Boogie, uh, comes out with the, uh, the boogeyman jam 84. Uh, they took that thing all over the world. And, um, uh, and of course the assassins put up their, their masks against Jimmy Valle's, uh, hair. Um, and of course, Boogie ends up taking the, taking the hoods from them several times and, uh, and, and as one, everyone knows, uh, the assassin mask that he took off was uh, later on became Hercules in the WWF. But, uh, but it was always boom. I mean, they always, just just when you thought the feud was over, man, something else came back and brought it and, and just kept peel, uh, pouring fuel onto it. Um, and like I said, Boogie told me several times, uh, Flair and Dusty had a feud, but they, it would fizzle out for a few months and he'd go to Tully. And then that would fizzle out. He'd go back to flair or he'd go to somebody midnight express. So dusty, he had feuds, but it was, it, 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 it went back and forth from different people. But Jimmy Valiant had a feud and his feud was with Paul Jones. Other than a, a couple months, him and Miss Atlanta lively, um, uh, feuded with the midnight express around 85, the, the fall of 85. Other than that, Jimmy Valiant and Paul Jones were, um, there there they're, they're, few was there and I think Jimmy told me their few lasted for five years. And, uh, that's, that's pretty unheard of that that somebody can have yeah. a feud and keep the, and keep the people interested for five years. And, but, but yeah, they, just don't they don't see it. that anymore. No, they did just that.
0: don't see it. Nope. And Hey, good for those guys. Good for them. I mean, and you know you can keep that interest there and, you know, it takes a lot, but you got to ebb and it ebbs and flows. But hey, if it works, it works, and you know, if it's not broke, don't don't fix it, right?
1: Right, exactly. Now, speaking of breaking, uh, talk about breaking some bones and records. Uh, the the at this time probably the the hottest heel team in the Crockett Promotions was the Russians. I'm talking about Ivan Koloff, Nikita Koloff, and Crusher Khrushchev. Um, and during this time, here they are crusher, crew chef Ivan Koloff are the reigning, uh, and defending NWA world tag team champions. And they put the belts on the line against two of the meanest, toughest guys you have ever seen in the wrestling business. I'm talking about the, the most awesome tag team in the history of pro wrestling, the road warriors, animal and Hawk, uh, Chris, this match ends in a double DQ which to no surprise because this time the a- the uh, Road Warriors were the current AWA World Tag Team Champions. Right. But man, what a match this turned out to be.
0: Yeah, I mean, doing that crossover uh the NWA with the AWA and you know, but the Road Warriors certainly a draw, that, you know, no matter where they were in the mid-80s at this point. But this you knew this is going to be a brawl and the ring isn't going to contain these four guys. Let's be Honest here, this is going to be a brawl inside, outside the ring. Both teams are putting up their titles, a lot of pride on the line. And even, you know, and even you know for the Russians as well, we're putting up the NWA, you know, Crockett's belts here. They want to make an impression. We're in front of 20-some-odd 20 thousand, 28,000 people. You know, we're not going down without a fight, and these guys aren't barreling us over. So, you know, it was a brawl. I read it. It was a brawl. They said it was a brawl. And, you know, if Ivan's in the ring, very experienced, you got Crusher, and then Animal and Hawk, it, it speaks for themselves. And, again, ends in a double DQ. And knowing these four, they probably fought, they needed no escort They probably went all the way back uh, to the stadium locker room.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, this it was definitely a, a great match. Uh, now, going on to the next one, now they'll talk about being red hot. This next competitor, Magnum T.A., was the hottest, quickest, rising babyface in the, probably the history of Crockett Promotions. Uh, at this time, he's the current United States heavyweight champion. He busted the belt on the line against Kamala, the Ugandan giant, with Skandar Akbar. This match doesn't last very long, and I think the most uh, surprising thing in this match was Magnum T.A. hit Ab- uh, Kamala with the belly-to-belly suplex.
0: You know, Magnum. Magnum was the man. <laughs> you know, uh, he had the look, he had the physique, he had the hair. The the woman went crazy, and he had some in ring wrestling ability, and it just all clicked at the right time. And uh, you know, Kamala, obviously, um, you know, back and forth with the WWF as well, but he he was all over different territories too, and. Um, Hey, you know, Magnum had that look, he had that Texas cowboy look and, 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 everyone would just, they just flocked to it. And, uh, boy, you know, you always wonder what, what could have been, you know, if the accident to Magnum never happened, I mean, Ric Flair would have had his work cut out for him for a good number of years, I think in the NWA, uh, when it came to Magnum TA, but, uh, um, I mean, I don't know how much better, on how much else you can put it, but uh, um, you know, but so popular with, with with the fans, even 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 after the accident, they may even have been just as or even more popular.
1: Yeah, for for sure. I mean, Magnum was was definitely um, uh, probably the hottest, uh, like I said, growing baby face that, that that came through the turn the turnpike there. But man, you talk about somebody that could really get in there and just I mean when when he'd hit people with that belly to belly suplex the crowd would just lo- lose their mind. Oh. And uh man, Magnum was just awesome. I mean, he he was kind of like like Dusty and and Jimmy Valiant. He he, uh, you know, people could easily associate themselves with, with Magnum, you know, because Magnum didn't, you know, Magnum, Magnum would say several times, you know, uh, in his promos, hey, I don't wear a suit. I don't wear fancy clothes. I, I wear I wear blue jeans and I ride a Harley Davidson. And that was a lot of wrestling fans during that time. And, uh, and years, years later, man, I got to, um, this, is a, this is a funny story. Um, as everyone knows, Magnum T.A., Dusty Rose, Barry Wyndham. Blackjack Mulligan, all those guys wore the wore these fancy uh, cowboy boots called, and they were made by this company called Austin Hall. They were out of El Paso, Texas. Um, and as a kid growing up, Chris, I, I, every ever since I saw Magnum T A for the first time, like I knew Dusty wore them, and I knew Blackjack wore them, but for some reason, man, Magnum T A, his boots just look cool. They look really cool, right? And so I they want. Did, yeah. I wanted a pair of man for so long, you know, and finally I through my good friend, Jimmy Valiant. I get to find, I find out, you know, where to get them from. And I I have, I have a pair made. Um, and I get booked on this show and Magnum's there doing autograph session. And it's so funny. He's in the, he's in the back dressing room and he's talking to, to some of the other workers in the back and the boys are asking questions about Crockett days. And he's talking to him and I walk up wearing my Austin hall cowboy boots and, I, I didn't even have them tucked in, man. I just I just had I had my boots. I had my, my, my blue jeans over top of the boots. All you could see was the toes. But he knew right away they were Austin Halls. And he completely kayfabed all those guys he was talking to. And he said, brother, are those Austin Hall boots you have on? And I said, oh, yeah. And I pulled them up and let him see my name. I have my name on the side of them and everything. And he's like, Dude, those are the most badass boots I ever seen in my life. I love that black and white combination I wish I had thought of that color. That's a really cool color. And then he went on and told me some stories about how, you know, how he had some made and and they were made wrong and he and he got to keep them anyway, but um but after that, man, I was over with Magnum just because I had Austin Hall boots. Uh and then of course then when he found out I was a worker and you know, he and I sat and talked for a little bit and he gave me he, he gave me a few pointers and 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 gave me some advice and I appreciated it but but man um magnum was he he was like like you said it had it been, had it not been for that accident uh I think Hulk Hogan Steve Austin nobody in the wrestling business that had sold a bunch of tickets and sold a bunch of merchandise you guys wouldn't have been able to t- touch magnum ta
0: no Absolutely not, and, you know, uh, that unfortunate crash happened, you know, just, just 16 months later. It happened uh, October of 86, and um, boy, you know, what, what, what could have been, but at that time, uh, without a doubt, one of, the, one of the hottest wrestlers in the NWA, and uh, so deserving to be at the bash, and, uh, um, you know, you just kind of wonder, <laughs> rock and roll, I mean, it's like, wow, like, what, what could have been but I think Flair would have had his work cut out, and possibly the, you know, the opponent structure going further after that crash, could have been you looked much different for Rick Flair, but could have been definitely Magnum and a lot of feuds that could have gone on for for a good while. Yes,
1: yeah, definitely sure. And and talking about um, speaking about that, that takes us to our next match, which was one of the highlight matches on this on this Bash. Rick Flair, the NWA world heavyweight champion, defending the title against Nikita Koloff, the Russian nightmare with Ivan Koloff. And special guest referee for this match, uh, Chris, David Crockett, of all people, an announcer, now is going to be a referee. But the reason why he was a referee um, was on TV one day. Uh, he's calling uh, Nikita and Ivan a bunch of cheaters. Nikita ends up giving David Crockett, the Russian sickle right there on the floor. Uh, and then that, 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 that provoked, you know, Rick, Rick Flair to come out. And, uh, because at the time the storyline was, you know, Rick Flair was good friends with the Crockett family and blah, blah, blah. And here we go. And, um, but, you know, a good match there. Uh, I, I think that this is like one of the first times that Ric Flair and Nikita Koloff would face each other. And, of course, as the years went by, like 86, that they, they had some really, really great matches together. But uh, And I was lucky enough to see a lot of those matches live. And I really, you know, I, I can go back and look and think about it in my mind. It was, it was great matches. But, um, Chris, Ric Flair and Nikita Koloff during 1985, and Koloff was just really breaking into the business uh, but I, I I can't help but think that Ric Flair groomed this man.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. They went a little over twenty three minutes in this match, the semi main event, you know, to to a steel cage match that was that was headlined in this particular uh, show. I mean, David Crockett was the special guest referee. You know, Ivan grooming Nikita, and if you're getting in with Ric Flair, Ric Flair gonna make anyone look good in the ring and you know and you know he's defended you know, the, you know the you know the nwa world heavyweight title in his hometown of charlotte so he's gonna put on a show yeah you know, no matter no matter no matter what, what's going on uh a very bloody rick flair in this match uh as as well from pictures that i saw uh online and i mean you know the key to put him to the test <laughs> so, uh, You know, and, you know, no matter what, I mean, you know, but, you know, Flair always doing his thing, you know, in the ring, Um, you know, you know, you know, pinning Nikita, obviously some cheating involved from what, from what I read, but that was classic Ric Flair at that time with, with not, with the kind of a somewhat green referee in the ring and David Crockett.
1: Yeah, for sure. And uh, man, uh, you you, uh, you you talk about a uh, a great uh, a, a great time like I said earlier to be a, a wrestling fan, uh, wrestling was starting to pick up here, and uh, Rick Flair and Nikita Kowalov was was no uh, was was a prime example of how, just how great this actually was was going to get.
0: Absolutely, I, and I read some other notes here. You know, Nikita. A couple of times hit the Russian sickle wasn't successful on, on, on flair I mean and uh, I mean did everything he could um, I even heard I even read somewhere where it said the ring announcer had to have the fans stay clear of the ring the fans were charging the ring that's how much they were in to this match so hey props to that I mean it probably could be a main event match on any card you know in, in the country at that time um, but uh, you know went all out you know flair' successful. Cheated to win special guest referee in Crockett. I mean, you got a lot going on there. But, hey, many, many more great battles between those two beyond just this particular event. So, um, you know, I mean, uh, there was definitely more to come between them two and for Nikita, uh, you know, some great years ahead of him in the uh, NWA.
1: Yeah, definitely. And then, fans, it takes us to our main event of the show, When you heard this music, man, you knew the dream was coming. I'm talking about the American dream, Dusty Rhodes, as he, on this show, this match, he defended the, um, he he put up the money, uh, against, uh, Tully Blanchard and Blanchard put up baby doll and the television title at this time. I don't believe it was known as the world TV title, still known as the television title. um, but uh, right there at the inaugural Great American Bash, Dusty Rhodes goes in there in a cage match, um, and uh, man, he, he 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 wins all the he he wins the he wins the you know the, the jackpot. Uh, he walks out with the television title and Baby Doll, and he got Baby Doll for thirty days. And I loved how they played this up that you know, when they when Tully lost, uh, Baby Doll fought to uh to not leave with dusty and dusty grabs her by the hand kind of like an old cowboy in the old (laughs) west grabs her by the hand drags her out of the cage and down the aisle they go back to the dressing room and uh and then as the next as weeks go by they uh start showing all these vignettes of how he's you know trying to get baby doll to 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 be by his side and right here in my hometown of mooresville just about two miles from my house is nelson royals um his ranch and his um, uh, Western store, and so during that time they they filmed a lot of stuff there, uh, and, it, and that, that's the one where uh, where they got he had Baby Doll out there cleaning the the horse stalls, and then that's when Baby Doll uh, says, well, you know, "If I clean these stalls, can I ride the horse?" Yeah, you can't ride a horse." "Yeah, I can. Let me show you." And so she gets on the horse, and they think that she know she doesn't know how to ride a horse. And she takes the horse and she's gone (laughs) and she takes off. And, and I, I talked to her about that on one of my other podcasts and, uh, man, it was a great story. And, um, but man, talk about some, some great stuff. This, this great American bash was, it was, it was, it was, it was was on, it was on fire.
0: It was, I mean, uh, this match, I mean, great match that, you know, as a young kid growing up again, I was only 14 years old at this time. Um, Tony the 30 days of having baby doll was perfect for television for cable TV at that time it was a storyline that dusty Rhodes could run with for a month right during the great American bash you know whether baby doll was at his side every single night that's another different story but it worked for television at that point point. and again you know Tully dusty steel cage they, they, you know, they fought each other so many times. I mean, we can talk about that, you know, all night long, uh, you, you know, as far as that goes. But it made for great TV. Um, and, hey, look, Magnum, Manny, Fernandez, several of the wrestlers came back out to congratulate, you know, you know the new, you know, NWA, uh, you know, TV champion at that time. And it was, uh, um, you know, hey, they went 12 minutes, you know, classic match. And, you know, what a way to cap off a great night of, uh, of wrestling in Charlotte, North Carolina, which I'm sure was a hot, steamy night from uh, from the late afternoon.
1: Yeah, uh, and I remember uh, they, they actually called this uh, show the Freedom Challenge. Uh, and uh, and I remember my, my uncle actually had tickets to this one, and uh, I wanted to go so bad. but uh, And even the, the uh, ticket stub looked really cool because it had the – the american flag on it and it's like great american bash uh the freedom challenge and i mean you knew at that time the great american bashes were taking off and they 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 were going to be a a big event um the very first bash 1985 it was just a one-night deal but then i think dusty saw that it was going to be huge so 86 is when they turned it into a tour and they went all over with it and uh and by that time, they had the Rockwell Express, the Midnight Express. They had some some major players working for Crockett Promotions, and uh, they were able to to take the, the Great American Bash on tour and really draw some good houses all across you know the Great United States of America. Um, just like the Binge Buster Show, hey, we're uh we're we're we're, we're yeah. across we're across America. We're uh we are uh worldwide actually fans. Uh, so um, any of you wrestlers out there that really want to get your story told. Man, you talk about free advertising, you talk about getting your name worldwide. What better place to do it than on the Bench Buster Show because we are worldwide. So any wrestlers out there listening that want to be on the show, man, just hit us up on Facebook. Let me know. I will get you on the show. It's going to be great. And all you fans out there that uh, that enjoy the show, just make sure you when you go like it, like our Facebook page, but more or less, when you watch when you listen to us on your favorite podcast platform, make sure you like and subscribe um, because that way you can stay up to date on this show.
0: Sure to share the podcast on your favorite social media channels.
1: And uh, I think that's going to wind it up, Chris. This week uh, for this week's show, uh, you have anything else that uh, that that you want to add uh, add in on on this great show?
0: I mean, Tony. Wow, what, what a what You always have these great flashbacks every week for me. You know, we went back to, uh, you know, we talked WCW. Um, you know, back in the '90s when we did the Hulk Hogan turn earlier, and then this one here going back to summer '85. Special time for me. I was just entering a uh, uh, high school there that September, and 14-year-old kid loving pro wrestling, but boy it was just a great time to be a wrestling fan and, you know, so many great memories. And uh, boy, you know, you just, and if you haven't had a chance to see some of these wrestling cards and shows we're talking about, it's so easy to say, you can Google this stuff, YouTube this stuff. I mean, it's really at your fingertips and it's, you'll never see the fan interaction, the fan involvement. I don't know if we see it today. Like we did back in the day, they were on the edge of their seats, literally. I think even some were might have been on the ropes or in the ring.
1: And and what so what what I love so much about this, Chris, sometimes I can go back and watch some of these old promos or these old matches, and it still gives me goosebumps because I'm like, man, mm-hmm. you know, this the 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 kids today just they they have no idea what it's like to be in the Greensboro Coliseum, and you got twenty five thousand people chanting rock and roll. Rock and roll, and and man, you know, it, it's, it's 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 something that you can't. You, I can tell you, but unless you have been in that building and you could hear the roar of the fans and you could just feel the electricity right. flow through the building, you have no idea. Just like you, I I wish that I could have been up north and seen Hulk Hogan come out and and hear the, oh. the, the roof blow off. Uh, I'm I'm sure that, that that was an amazing time too. Um, I, 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 I,
0: yeah, I mean, absolutely. When I went to, you know, the new Haven Coliseum or the Hartford civic center in Connecticut and you know, it's the second, the second they hit real American, the place just explodes. I mean, it's just, it's, you know, y- you look at different sporting things in life that you see and you see kind of greatness and whether wrestling sports entertainment there's just certain things you look at like a Michael Jordan you look at a Wayne Gretzky in hockey you know you look at you know all these different athletes and when Hogan hit the ring it was just like pandemonium but you know that's just the way it was and everyone drew it and same like when Flair hit the ring and Dusty and there's just those moments where you just you just get chills down your spine, like okay, I'm watching something special. I don't know what it is, but I'm watching something special here, and, and I'm watching it live.
1: Yeah, and it and it really was. And uh, man, it, what a great time! I, mean, I know I've said this a bunch of times, but man, what a great time to be a wrestling fan uh, in the '80s. And uh, and Chris. You and I are lucky. We got to be there and witness all this stuff. And now and, I and, and I, you know what
0: I love about you uh-huh. know what I love about it? You know what I love about it back then, Tony? What's that? Was versus today, everybody wants to take a picture with their phone and do this and do that. Back then we didn't have that ability. You just stood there and you watched.
1: You lived in the moment.
0: And you knew you were watching mm-hmm. something special. Yep. And you had to capture that moment in your mind.
1: Yeah, because back then because if you... If you had a camera, you had you had a, you had you had to sneak it in. You couldn't just walk in with it yeah, you like had you to do sneak now. It in.
0: But now yeah. today, you just whip out a cell phone and Boom. video it, or you take a video. Back then, we didn't have that. We just stood there and watched, and knew that wrestling was in our town that night, and the biggest players in the game are here, and we don't know what's going to happen. Titles may change, not change, whatever, but we're going to be put in, for, and that's what it was all about. That's what was so unique about going to those shows back in the day because you just had to be there. If you, didn't, you weren't in there, you were going to miss it and you know, find out the results in a magazine pretty much coming out the next 30 to 60 days on the newsstand. Mm-hmm. And that's really the reality of it.
1: Yeah, yeah because back then they, they didn't give away what happened on, t- on TV. Mm-hmm. You had to buy a ticket to see that.
0: Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Maybe if there was a title change, you would know about it. Obviously, you would. But other than that, if you wanted the down and dirty results, you had to wait to a magazine to hit the newsstand to find out what it was. And so it, it, it was just a different time, but it was a great time to be a fan. And, and, and so many great memories, you know, uh, 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 of both wrestlers that are now past, present. And some of these guys were even talking about our, you know, rest their soul's not even living today, but they definitely knew how to entertain the fans.
1: Yeah, for sure, and I, and and if Paul Jones was still alive today, and that somebody told me Paul Jones is going to be wrestling Jimmy Valiant at the Armory, you know I'm gonna be the first one buying a ticket to see that because I knew it was going to be something special.
0: Absolutely, and you're gonna get your money's worth. And the thing was, then when you're leaving that building, I want to know when the next time they're coming back because I'm gonna be bothering my my father or, or whoever. to to take me back again or a family member. And because I want to be there again next month when they come back again.
1: Yep. And, and, uh, and I know I'm, I'm be, uh, if I was on the, if I was on the show, I'm going to be sitting in the back, listening to Paul and Jimmy call their spots. And I'm, I'm going to be waiting for the, for the, for the, for the famous line. Hey brother. We got 20 of the guys taking bumps. We ain't got to take none. You know, I love, that's right. I love that. I love that. That's what it's all about, man. And man, it's, it's good. Man, it's just a great time, but I hope you, hope you fans enjoyed this week's show. Make sure you go like us on Facebook, go uh, subscribe to our um, channels on YouTube and, uh, and, and all the places that you get your favorite podcast platforms. Um, and uh, next week, fans, the show's gonna be even better. I think I might have a guest lined up for next week, so you won't get bored by just hearing me and Chris talk. We, we're gonna have somebody telling some good stories, uh, maybe maybe even some backstage dirt. Who knows? But uh, but to find out, you gotta tune in next week here on the Bench Buster Show for Chris and Tony. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show.
0: Thank you for listening to The Binge Buster Show. Make sure you like us on Facebook and download us on your favorite podcast platform.